0: Welcome to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Riley Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome
1: to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Riley Nadler. Uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed co-host, will not be with us today. She's a little bit under the weather. But you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top ten percent. And in these shows, we're zeroing in on a concept that we talk about on emotional brilliance. It's going to be the title of our new new book. You know, how do we gear ourselves up for top performance? How can we get better? understanding of what our emotions do with us and for us, what is an emotional brilliance performance, Uh, what emotions are the most challenging for the top performers, and so what's our goal? It's really to help you expand, improve, and select the best emotional competencies and strengths to master the moment. So a lot of our shows are around emotional intelligence. That's a a theme that Kathy and I have and and some books that we have. But if we think about the difference between emotional intelligence and emotional brilliance, emotional intelligence can be like the territory or the map, but when you zoom into your house, that could be emotional brilliance. If emotional intelligence is like a target and you think about the bullseye, that's emotional brilliance. Like what do you bring forward? What's your go-to uh, emotion. If emotional intelligence is your closet full of all kind of, you know, great clothes, what's your go-to when you have to make a presentation? So um, if you're interested, we are, have a, a survey on the website Leadership Development News that you can take an emotional brilliance survey. And so we're going to be talking today with a colleague and great friend of our show, uh, Dr. Ed Nottingham, and Ed is a consulting and clinical psychologist. He works uh, internally for a Fortune 100 company, and he delivers programs to help leaders to be more coach-like, and we'll get more into that, as well as programs on emotional intelligence. So he's a you know friend and, and a colleague uh, of leadership development for quite a while. I'll tell you a few other uh, things about him before we bring him on. He's got a lot of initials after his name. Besides the PhD, he's a diplomat in organizational and business consulting psychology, uh, behavioral and cognitive psychology, and clinical psychology. So these uh, initials, ABPP is American Board of Professional Psychology. He's also a fellow of the American Psychological Association. where the divisions of independent practice, the Society of Clinical Psychology, Psychotherapy, and the Society of Consulting Psychology. He is a fellow of the Academy of Clinical Psychology and is listed in the National Register of Health Service Providers. So, I mean, as you can hear, he's uh, been doing psychology, and we'll ask him you know, actually how long for a long, uh, you know, for a long period of time. The other thing that we're going to ask him a little bit about You know, he had a a private practice for a while specializing in rational, emotive behavior therapy. So one of the first cognitive behavioral therapies, and if people aren't familiar with that, we'll ask him a little bit about that, uh, and trained with the founder of the field, Albert Ellis. These days, and since 2003, he's worked for large corporations in different positions doing uh, leadership consulting as a trainer. And also as a learning development partner, HR advisor, and leadership coach, he's been using the uh, EQI Emotional Quotient Inventory for quite a while, and we've talked a lot about um, some of the best practices that he's used in organizations. So, before I bring on Dr. Ed Nottingham, let me just say a word about Dr. Kathy Greenberg. Sorry, she's not here, uh, but she will be with us in our next one. And as you know, Kathy. Uh, coaches leaders and executives in their companies on her proven work-life strategies based on positive psychology and the science of courage. She has a free iPhone app, Your Happiness Now, that you can grab and you can see her glowing face. And you can contact her for some of her books and tools at com. She does have... Uh, A best selling of many best selling books. One of the latest ones is Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus. And she and I will be working together on emotional brilliance. So, Dr. Nottingham, welcome to the call. Glad glad to have you.
2: And, Dr. Nadler, I am so happy to be here. And since I am a long time listener and fan, I know that at this point, usually Kathy introduces you. (laughs) And I think it would be really unfortunate if listeners couldn't hear a little bit more about you. So if I may, can I share a little bit about you?
1: Sure, sure. That would be great.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Dr. Nadler is a master certified coach, executive coach. He is also a licensed psychologist and a corporate leadership and team trainer. And he truly brings his legendary expertise and emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, his consulting, his executive coaching and development programs that he delivers. He is the author of six books, and he has a new book that recently came out on physician burnout. His top ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across industries. And, and that is one of the books in all of my programs when I'm delivering emotional intelligence programs that I strongly recommend. He also has some great resources that are available, including Leadership Keys Field Guide, which is available as a book on Amazon, and he also has a free iApp on the Leadership Keys, which includes videos and other information. He also, and, and really, I don't know how you get all this done, he has a popular blog on Psychology Today with over 245,000 reads called Leading with Emotional Intelligence. And Dr. Nadler, if people want to reach you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yes, you can reach me at uh, com or, or email Relly at com. Well, thanks, Ed. I appreciate uh, that. And, you know, this is going to be enjoyable for me and hopefully for you, too, to, to uh, one, Hear about your background. We'll start with that, kind of your background, because it's exciting, but then also the work that you're doing uh, these days to the organization that you're with, um, because, you know, I know your background is very innovative, and, and they're very fortunate to have you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of where you are today, like what do you do today around your corporate job and training and everything else?
2: Well, it's it's interesting because you know when you were talking about you know my years in practice and so on, I started adding it up and it was scary when I realized that I've either been working in clinical practice or for the last seventeen years in the corporate world. So total of forty one years, which is is kind of scary when I think <laughs> about it. But but I'm very very safe because. I probably like you when you were in private practice. I, I was loving what I was doing, but managed care was starting to tell us how we were yeah. going to treat our clients and what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And so one night, I just mentioned to a friend of mine at a local psychological association meeting that if I could use my my psychology background in the corporate world, I'd be a real happy camper. And she uh-huh. said, "Well, you know, my husband works for this large, seventeen state financial." Uh, institution. They're looking for somebody to do leadership development and training. And so on a whim, I applied, knowing nothing about the area. And somehow, miraculously, I got the job. So since then, I mean, I I spent four years uh, with that company, and then I was recruited to the company that I'm, I'm working in now. And what is so great is being able to use both That background, and you mentioned my background in rational motive behavior therapy or cognitive behavior therapy, being able to use some of those skills in the programs I deliver, as well as really being able to focus on helping leaders be more coach-like and helping our leaders and others to actually build their emotional intelligence. So that's really, these days in my world, focusing on helping people be more coach-like and to build their emotional
1: intelligence. So, um, how many courses you know, have you do you teach now? Because I know, you know, you're really good as, as far as uh, preparation and and scouring the literature and bringing the best. So I, I and I think you probably created each of these. Like, how many courses are there now that you do?
2: Currently, and we have over the years gone through a number of iterations in terms of our emotional intelligence courses. Um, first, actual pilot of that was probably. 12 years ago. And that has morphed into a more intensive program, which again, you mentioned, and um, you and I are both fans of the BARON EQI. So that is now the program that we're delivering, using that as part of our assessment of our new leaders um, in their position. I also have developed programs for individual contributors. That one's based more on the Daniel Goleman, who was one of your guests, um, his model of emotional intelligence. Also, do teach a, a program on coaching so that our our team members, our leaders can be more coach-like, as well as there are a lot of one-off programs where I'm invited to come in and do programs and currently actually developing a program on accountability.
1: Oh, wow. So, um, that's some great offerings, you know, that you have to the organization that you're with. So uh, this is always great to be able to kind of pick your brain. And let me just say, you know, for our audience, uh, Dr. Nottingham is probably one of the best uh, networking, connecting people that I know. Uh, You know, he is really good as far as connecting uh, leaders, new information uh, with each other. He's connected me with with some great folks. So I just want to say publicly how much I appreciate you and your uh, just ability as a colleague and friend. So thank you.
2: Well, w- one thing I didn't say when, I, if I may, when I was introducing you, yeah. because this is this is shared appreciation. Because um, actually, for our listeners, you were my coach when I was going through the process of getting International Coach Federation. So I know what an outstanding executive coach you are. So I owe,
1: I think, much of my success to to <laughs> you and your great work. Oh, uh, that's great. Well, thank you for that. And uh, both of us met through the College of Executive Coaching, which is a training program for uh, coaches. It's, as I say now, it was the ninth school College of Executive Coaching. will give them a plug. Um, Now there's over 450, but I think it's still the only one that you have to have a master's and PhD to uh, get in. So we have really, really great students. And so before we get into the other questions that we have for Dr. Nottingham, we're going to take our first break and we'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America
4: are you a fearless leader fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom they embrace the courage to fail they respond to challenges with resilience they operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's rol or return on leadership you can too Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom.
0: We're
1: talking with a top performer in the corporate world, and I think we're really going to get an inside look of what's going on in uh, a Fortune 100 company that's got you know hundreds of thousands of uh, employees. And so, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is: So, what have you found? What's the most important skills that these leaders uh, need today that you that you train to? Because you really have this kind of inside look. how many people are typically in your class? And each one you do. Um, sometimes
2: they're quite large. The last coaching class we did had forty-nine new leaders
1: in it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you know, from your perspective, um, you know what what are what's the most important skills you think that they need? What I have found, and and
2: one of the things I sometimes say in my my courses is that I wish when I had been in private practice that the emotional intelligence concept had been more front and center, that the bar on EQI assessment had been available, because as I look back on it, I think many of the issues that people brought to therapy were probably related to emotional intelligence. And uh-huh. I think in terms of in terms of the most important skills for leaders, first is emotional intelligence. And I think the work you and Kathy are doing on your new book, Emotional Brilliance, is essential to leadership success. I mean, I have delivered these programs for many years internally, and I see how many leaders, when they build their emotional intelligence competency, their leadership skills and success increases dramatically. And we know that intelligence quotient or IQ is relatively fixed. I mean, we know there's neuroplasticity and so on, but relatively fixed. And what I love to see is when people have taken the EI assessment and they realize, in fact, sometimes they're shocked by how low some of their scores are, that they're able to build an action plan and actually grow those skills. And and you mentioned in your intro, and I, I love the metaphor you and Kathy are using about Emotional intelligence is the closet in a home, but what are the go-to emotions that people tend to select? And I think one of the things about building emotional intelligence, and I'm using that that metaphor now in in some of the programs, is that sometimes leaders go out wearing the wrong clothes. In other (laughs) words, they they've selected the wrong emotional intelligence competencies or haven't developed those to use. So number one is being the emotionally intelligent leader. Second, and this is one that, that I've really been focusing on, that emotional intelligence is foundational for leadership success, but then coaching skills are critical. Mm. You know, we've moved beyond the command and control approach, that we, right. we know these days that if we want to get success, then it's going to be having that more Coach like approach. And so much of my work does focus on helping leaders be more coach like. And I know that one of my coaching heroes, Michael Bungay Stanier, has been a guest on Leadership Development News twice. Um, right. The first time on The Coaching Habit, and I guess it was February the 10th, which I would encourage people to go and listen to. He talked about his new book, The Advice Monster. And, and that's right. what I see again. Whether we're talking about leaders or parents or significant others, many times we know the answer to whatever the question is. Again, whether it's a direct report, a child Uh, who's asking a parent or a significant other, we want to jump in and tell them what to do. And Michael says, you know, we've got to stay curious a little longer and jump to advice a little more slowly and taking that time. To be able to help people learn, um, I, I, I just think
1: that that's that's so critical. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, it's great what, what you're saying. You know, especially around emotional intelligence, and and I think that tendency for us to want to give advice, and 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 I end up saying the same thing, similar to Michael's book of the advice trap. If, if the listeners are interested, it just came out, but. Um, One of the metaphors I like to use is, is the leader has a bucket full of ideas, but so does the employee has a bucket full of ideas. And so the tendency is to go to our own bucket and give advice. And so I like the metaphor of the people that you're developing, if you're a leader, how do you ask and drain their ideas from their bucket? So you ask and drain, you know, how long is that going to take? What else can you do? What are you thinking about that? And then until their bucket is empty, and then you can go to your bucket cause, and then come up with, well, here's something that may have uh, worked for me or someone else. What do you think about that? But that ask and drain, ask and drain, before you tell and fill. Most of us, from that addictive process of, you know, feels good, and we we think we're being the answer person. We go to our bucket full of ideas too soon. So similar to what you said and what Michael says.
2: Yeah, I love so that, Raleigh. And so I, I'm taking something away from our conversation right now, so I can go home now. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that.
1: I was wondering about that because I don't know if you heard about that. I just got done doing a supervision class for coaches and. We talked about the ask and drain, tell and fill. Because the big thing, if you have an MBA, if you're a manager, you want to tell and fill. You don't have time. And for all the right reasons, you go to your bucket versus the ask and draining their bucket. Um, so let me ask you a couple other questions uh, you know, about that. So, yeah, if, I can, if, a, I can ask, if I can, ask,
2: if I can ask, jump yeah, in before yeah, you go ahead. to the next question. The, the point you're making there, and this is also, I mean, you've said it, and Michael Bungay-Stanier says it, Part of the part of the resistance I think we run into when we're helping our leaders to be more coach-like is the misconception that coaching takes a long time. And as you're saying, you know, being able just to have that conversation, and as we know right. from other people's work, Michael's work, you can have a great coaching conversation in 10 minutes or less. So I think yeah. that's one of the obstacles
1: that leaders really can address to to be more successful. And I, and I like what you're saying, Ed, because, you know, anybody I deal with, it, um, time is the issue and they don't have enough time. But when you really get down to it, and I think the ask and drain before you tell and fill, sometimes it's two minutes. and And then yep. the other aspect that I think gets their attention is who's doing all the heavy lifting? Who's the answer person? And... Do you want people to really think, and you've probably heard on our shows, you know, I've talked about, I think in, our, in today's world, we've outsourced our thinking, and everything is a yeah. shortcut. And therefore, this idea, coaching, and I think leadership are slow thinking. Going back to Daniel Kahneman's work, yeah. you know, unless it's an emergency, you got two minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, you know, to truly source the other person and get good ideas.
2: Well, there's there's something else too. And again, since this is leadership development news, I think you I've heard you and Kathy talk about this as well, but there was that Blessing White consulting study that was done years ago. And what they showed is when leaders are more coach like and do yeah. successful productive coaching, it makes their jobs easier. So I think Leaders are overwhelmed by the amount of work that they've got, by being a little more coach-like, can make their jobs easier and help them reach their goals.
1: And just, you know, for our listeners, because we're using the term coach-like, like, like, you know, so just make that distinction. Like, what what does coach-like look like? Um,
2: Well, uh, And let me share a story, too, that uh, personal story. Many, many, many years ago, I attended the American Psychological Association Conference and, you know, our friend Jeff Arbach, who is the founder of the um, Executive Coach College that you're a faculty member and I got my training, I went to one of his one-day workshops and after going to a one-day workshop, I thought, hey, you know, I'm a psychologist, I've got all these credentials, so I can do executive coaching. So I started doing, in my mind, executive coaching. And it was great. because no insurance, cash on the barrel head. And I thought I was doing a good job until I moved into the corporate world. And then I was asked to do coaching. And what I realized very quickly was that being a psychologist does not make one a coach, an executive coach, or even being more coach-like. So... that's when I started my journey to actually get certified. And these days, I mean, when I talk to our leaders, I say to them, look, you're not going to come out of this program being an executive coach. To be more coach-like means having those those competencies, those qualities that help you be able to help other people be successful. So number one, being coach-like means forming a relationship that's based on trust. That if leaders don't build that relationship, no matter how technically savvy they are, they're not going to be able to to engage in coaching. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. The second piece is that you know we do jump to advice too soon. So being able to ask more powerful coaching questions. And when I'm teaching programs, it's things like open-ended versus closed-ended questions. Stay away from. Why questions? Because that triggers defensiveness, and, right. and just continuing to be curious. And then, lastly, and I think being coach like to me means that if you're going to ask a great question, then listen carefully. Be a level five listener. And um, I think I know you and I offline have talked about Oscar Tremboli's work and his little book, Deep Listening that many times we're not being deep listeners because we've got that chatter going through our head. We're planning our next response, or we're preoccupied uh, by something. So those three things, the relationship, asking powerful questions, and being an attentive, deep
1: listener, to me are the qualities of being more coach-like. That's beautiful, Ed. Yeah, so I think you've kind of helped. And it doesn't mean, like you're saying, you're an executive coach, but you you're really are just valuing people. And I think, Ed, you and I kind of know this. I, I think I heard this from Stephen Covey. Um, listening is to the relationship as breath is to the body. And so you know if someone's not listening within you know a couple seconds, and you know and you can feel starved. I mean, we all do the kind of selective listening. I'm sure in your training, like my training, a a fair amount is on listening, and you know you think most people will be pretty good at it, and it's it's it can be really challenging. So we're going to go to our our next break. This is going too fast already, Um, but. We'll be right back, and you're listening to Leadership Development News.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom they embrace the courage to fail they respond to challenges with resilience they operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's rol or return on leadership you can too Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com, take the free assessment, and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom.
1: And we're talking with uh, Dr. Ed Nottingham, who is bringing a lot of this emotional intelligence and coaching to, you know, a big corporation and and doing a fantastic job uh, training lots of folks. Like, before we uh, go to the next question, like, how many people a year are you training? Because I know you're a stat man and you got the statistics. Like, how many people a year are in your training? Gosh, that's that's a
2: good question. I, I do have all those stats. It's on an Excel spreadsheet um, back in my, uh, on my computer. I would guess um,
1: this is just a, a guess, um, but probably four to five hundred people a year. Four to five hundred people a year, and that's like and you've been there for thirteen years now. Yeah, and this, some years it's been actually
2: more, some years less, but. Uh, yeah, I know at least on the EQI I have close to two thousand people that have taken that assessment.
1: Wow. All right. So uh uh with that, what have you what have you found is the most common feeling, you know, that leaders have? And this a lot of this what we're asking you, Ed, it is also then kind of for our book around emotional brilliance, Let's try to zero in on uh, this. So what what have you found is kind of the most common feelings that leaders have?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question, and and it fits because I'm currently actually working on tweaking one of the emotional intelligence programs that, that I deliver. And so I, I created this short little survey that I sent out to folks, and I didn't get a huge response, but it was interesting because the most common emotions in that small sample size fit with those that I've heard in the many, many programs that I've delivered. And the number one was frustration, followed mm. by anxiety and anger. But I love one person said something, which whenever I'm asked a question, I tell people that the psychologist's answer to all questions is, it depends. So right, one of the right. people who, who, did, who did respond to my survey said, it depends. And I think that's true. The person went on to say, you know, sometimes I feel overwhelmed, but at other times, you know, I may experience. Uh, more positive emotions, such as, you know, being curious or excited and having positive satisfaction. But I would say, and again, just from behavioral observations as well, and when people ask me questions, I, I think frustration is probably the number one emotion that, that leaders experience. Yeah.
1: And that kind of goes along with, you know, a lot of times in our intro, we, we talk about some of that research. Um, you know, around stress and that frustration, uh, you know, is is probably the one of the most common in the in the work world. Um, and so, you know, people having to deal with that and uh, all the deadlines and everything else they have. So, on yeah. a you know, given uh, you're a psychologist and working doing corporate psychology like me for you know all these years, what's been uh, on a personal level or professional where you've learned the most about? your emotions or feelings?
2: I think um, even though I may have moved out of clinical practice because of some of the challenges that both of us faced in those uh, managed care days, I'm very grateful that I spent that 25 years in private practice because I was helping other people to identify what their dysfunctional, unhealthy mm-hmm. emotions and thinking was, it also helped me to really become more mindful and self-aware in terms of what kind of reactions was I having, both in terms of emotional reactions, behavioral reactions, and also what was my thinking. I also was very fortunate, and again, another one of your guests, uh, Dr. Dana Ackley, who is a friend of mine, I actually went through his one-week training on certification for the the EI assessment and you know we had to take the e- EQI I've taken it several times and just taking that has helped me to be mm. more self-aware of those areas where I can focus on improving where I can be yeah. much more self-aware and do better self-management also and I'm I'm not a practitioner of mindfulness I Maybe that'll be one of my goals one of these days to do more of it, but I have found that what little bit of mindfulness practice I've done has helped tremendously for me to be aware of and manage my emotions, and also, along with the EI competency of self-awareness, taking time to do self-reflection. Even if I Uh react badly to the situation, to be able then to do a you know, after-action review and say, okay, what was going on? What was I telling myself? What was the story
1: I was telling myself? So that's been extremely helpful for me. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that was a lot lot you said there. Um, So just in general, I wonder if our listeners may wonder about this. Uh, What do you tell people? Like, how long does it take, let's say you did the EQI, and you're working on a behavior, how, how long would it normally take that you could actually see change? And I think that distinction we already made between IQ, which is more static, EQ, emotional quotient, or EI, you can change. What do, what do you tell some of your leaders how long it takes?
2: I'm probably more conservative because I believe, um, haven't I heard you say that if people are working a program maybe about three months, is, that, is my memory serving me?
1: Yeah. I mean sometimes I I'd, I'd say more like six months. I mean I think I think yeah. from the EQI you could say three. Um but I I think if they're working on it, you know, within six months. Um and I think Richard Boyas has got an interesting thing that he would say and again another one of the leaders around emotional intelligence <clears throat> that you can probably make some changes in six months but people may not see it for nine or twelve months. Right. I mean you're working hard. And this is where, you know, people end up seeing you more like you've been before. They don't necessarily always see the new behavior.
2: And that's the one that I I feel more comfortable, because I tell people that probably it's going to take six months to a year. And I think that's right. you, You may see yourself changing. But other yeah. people are still looking for you to be your old self and to engage yep. in those old behaviors. And again, something I know from your work: the one time somebody slips and maybe yeah, yeah. responds to those old behaviors, the other is going to say, "See, you're the same. You haven't changed at all." So that <laughs> consistency. And that,
1: and that's, you know, I have a, you mentioned this psychology today. Uh, uh, blog, I think I have on there that I call Snapshot Management. And going back to what we are saying about fast thinking and stuff, people don't have that much time to pay attention to anybody else. We're so absorbed with ourselves. So even if you make changes, most likely they're not going to see it. And so, if from a, a coaching thing, when I have someone like that, I say, well, you got there's two problems. One you got to make a change, and that's hard enough that you and I do. Two, no one's going to notice it that much. So now you have an internal public relations issue. How do you promote that you're changing? And that's where their boss is helpful, uh, their team is helpful, you know, coming up with some of that. And, and let me ask Marshall Goldsmith.
2: Marshall Goldsmith has said, um, you know, and others have said, if you're working on change, let people know. Yeah. And I, what, what you just said, I think if I was working on something, I would say to my colleagues, my friends, certainly my significant other, my cats, they're, they're good feedback um, animals. Um, and, and to other people, hey, this is what I'm working on, and I'm going to come to you from time to time, and I'm going to want your input. I'm going to want you to let me know what you're saying. Right. Tell me what I'm doing well. Tell me the areas that I can continue to focus on. So I, I think that's very important.
1: And if you're a leader listening to this, what Ed's saying and I'm saying, you really need to have your boss know what you're working on and ask them for feedback, like, like Ed's saying, and your team. And the more that they know that you're working on it, it's a it's a kind of a priming event. It's better that they're going to be able to notice it. I mean, if they don't know what you're working on, um, and even you saying, I'm working on this, have you seen changes? They have to kind of go back and first they're probably not thinking about you or the changes. But now that you've primed them, you know, I have seen you be a little different in meeting. So that's yeah. really important. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you uh, one of the questions that we have is if you came up with your the most uh, three most common emotions that you have, and I think a lot of this goes back to why we're asking these kind of questions, it's around that self-awareness. You know. Um, yeah. So, what would you say, Ed, to that?
2: Well, and, and again, like many of the people I've I've worked with, and our our small sample size, I would say that the emotion that has historically been my go to emotion is frustration, and along with that, from from my rational emotive behavior therapy orientation, LFT or low frustration tolerance, that I engage in this when I see something. I can't stand it when such and such happens. I can't stand it when slow cars don't get out of my way. So that's one of the first ones that I've noticed. Uh, but but like you have said and other people have said, I've really been working on making my, my go-to emotion one of curiosity. And okay. I'm getting better at that just to be able to take a moment to pause and yeah. to be more curious. And we, we talk about that in the... The corporate environment that I am is to be curious. Lastly, and and it's not really an emotion, but but you know, John Gordon has that little book he wrote years ago. Um, one word that will change your life. And so, my one word for 2020 is opportunity. So it's not really an emotion, but I when right. I when I being curious and and looking
1: for opportunity, I love it. And I think that opportunity is kind of a, a priming event. You know, if you're thinking of opportunity or you're trying to focus on it, you're going to see it more. All right, so we're going to go to our our last break. And uh, you've been listening to Leadership Development News. Stay with us, and we're talking with Dr. Ed Nottingham, the fourth. And we'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline.
4: Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom.
1: corporate trainer and coach, uh, Dr. Ed Nottingham. And then before we get to the next question, Ed, if someone, would you be open if someone had a question for you? And if so, you know, how should they get in touch with you?
2: Sure, sure. And I have a handout actually that I use that I'm happy to share with people, and it's called um, Becoming an Emotionally Intelligent Leader, Attitude in Leadership. And it talks a lot about, you know, how important, our Our thinking is and how our thinking largely determines our behavior and our emotion. the best way to reach me is actually my personal email address which is e j nottingham e j n o t t i n g h a m at gmail dot com
1: that 's the best way to reach me okay great so what have you found is the hardest emotion you know and we 've been kind of using emotions but also in our book we 're kind of zeroing in on that emotion is in the body, and then it goes to your head to try to understand what it is, and when you label it, that's a feeling. So we've been using those words, you know, sometimes interchangeably, but there is a different definition. So what have you found has been the hardest for people to deal with? Which kind of emotion feeling?
2: Well, I go back, I go back to my psychologist's answer to almost all questions. It depends, um, but, I, but I have seen that I, I think many times when people are experiencing anger, that becomes one of the hardest for people to address and to uh-huh. change and to be able to turn it from anger just to being appropriately annoyed or aggravated. I think that's one of the toughest because, again, people hold on to to steal from 12 step programs. They're stinking thinking. You know, they yeah. hold on to, well, this shouldn't have happened to me or. My boss shouldn't have said this to me, or I should have gotten the promotion that I just so rightly deserve. So I think sometimes people hold on to, to those beliefs, those stories that they're telling themselves, and that yeah. makes it so much more difficult for them to let go.
1: And I know from your the RET and cognitive behavior, the shuddism that we all have.
2: Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I want to be very clear because there have been times when people have misunderstood what I said. But there's that tendency to shoot on other people. So again, shooting on—not to be confused with maybe another expression—but we're <laughs> shooting on ourselves, we're shooting uh, on other people, we're shooting on the corporation, we're
1: shooting on the universe, and that's what creates that that anger. Yeah, yeah. Well, say a little bit of work because we're in it now. Kind of, you know, how have you used your training in in rational emotive uh, therapy? You know, which is really one of the, one of the first cognitive behavioral um, interventions. You know, how have you used that in the in the corporate world?
2: Well, I, when I when I went through the you know the coach training um, that I went through at the College of Executive Coaching. Um, You know, we certainly present a lot of different models of coaching, one of which is, and Dr. Stephen Palmer in the UK is actually one of the leading experts in this area, but cognitive behavioral coaching. So this is coaching. It is not therapy. It's working with people who who are functioning. They just want to go from good to great. So the whole model that was presented by Dr. Albert Ellis, who, again, was one of my mentors, can be used in leadership, it can be used in coaching, it can be used in other situations to help people zero in on, what is it that you're telling yourself about this situation? What is it that you're believing about this? You know, Is this a fact or is this a story you're making up? And anytime we're upsetting ourselves, which people don't do it to us, we do it to ourselves to be fully accountable. And so being able to identify that, and again, if people want that handout I mentioned, you can email me and I will send you a PDF copy of it to identify how certain beliefs we have are going to create those unhealthy, undesirable, emotional, and sometimes behavioral reactions.
1: That's great. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've seen that of yours. So you're good about sending stuff. I'd love to see that. Um, and do you do you talk about the ABC model? You know, activating, the yeah. belief, consequences. I do. Yeah,
2: and we have, and I have an online class that I created some years ago, and that's a, a, a prerequisite for some of the other classes. In that, it actually talks about Goldman's model, <laughs> self-awareness, self-management, and I talk about how the ABCs activators, beliefs, consequences, being able to challenge or dispute our irrational beliefs, etc. how that is a strategy that can be used to help us be our best.
1: So, yeah, yeah. I, do, I do present that as a strategy that people can use. And I think from the self-awareness standpoint, like, you know, it's really catching yourself in that old story and then really being able to kind of walk yourself back from it or step back and say, okay, is this true? Um, You know, what do I need to do differently? So it's almost, I kind of heard the term catch and release. You know, so can you catch it? Great. Or catch and release or catch and redirect. So awareness is the catching part. The management is the redirecting part. Yeah. and
2: Another thing that that you and Kathy have talked about and that um, will be in the new book, as far as I understand, is your concept of name, N-A-N-D, that. The first thing, and that's the catch, you have to be able to notice what's going on, to be able to name what it is that we're experiencing, A, to accept it. I mean, not to beat up on ourselves, not to should on ourselves right. having the emotion, but being able to just accept, yeah, I'm, I'm making myself frustrated right now. Then M, managing it, that's when the ABCs come into play. You know, yeah. I can change that. And then lastly, and again, see, see I listen I listened to, <laughs> to all that you teach me. <laughs> the last is to be able to express it. And it doesn't mean going out and to shout from the mountaintop, yeah. I made myself angry. Sometimes just
1: expressing
2: it to oneself is enough.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And we're going to do more of that. The M is we have a section of managing thoughts, which is a lot of the ABC comes in, the cognitive stuff, and then managing actions. So the M has two aspects. Hey, so before yeah. we end, one of the things I wanted to ask, was, is there an example of an emotionally brilliant reaction? And this is what we're trying to get at. You know, if you have a go-to, and it's in the moments that you show your emotional intelligence, it's in the moments that you show your brilliance. Is, do you have an example of that, where that someone said just the right thing, or did the, just the right thing at the right moment?
2: Well, how about me? I can use B as an example. Okay. Um, and it happened. it happened last week, and this goes back to where I'm working on being more curious, looking for opportunities. So last week, I got this email from somebody asking me a question that was so easy for the person to answer himself or herself. I mean, it was it was so easy. But I, I got the email and my immediate reaction was, this is galactically stupid that I'm even being asked this question. And then, so being able to Step back and to realize that I was shooting on that person for a reasonable question. I, uh-huh. I focused on being curious and and then said, "How can I help this person?" Obviously, this person is asking me for something. If they had known it already, they wouldn't have sent an email. So I want to be helpful. I want to know what I can do right now to to help this person
1: be their best self. So. That happened just last week. Oh, that's great. And I think it kind of highlights, you know, understanding what your go-to is, and I think we're going to talk more about that in the book. You know, in different situations, what do I go to? And like you said, Ed, for for me, and this is not going to be for everybody, you know, it is being curious. And to me, being curious, it takes away judgment, which yeah. I think is important, like we're saying. And then my next one is if I'm curious, Then uh, I'll be asking questions. And then after that, that leads to kind of more empathy for who the person is. And I remember Kathy saying hers was adaptability. And you can see this with her, then she goes to problem solving. Um, And so everybody has a different one. I just went um, skiing with some of my friends and I asked my best friend, I said, well, what's your go-to? And his was perspective. I think if your go-to, and I'm just kind of generalizing now, if it if it's kind of a neutral thing without judgment, and whether it's curiosity or perspective, I think you're just opening up opportunities. And that was a word that you used, Ed. Anything you want to say yep. about that before we'll close? No, I think, and again,
2: that's changing that mindset. You know, it goes back to Dr. Covey and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Seek first to understand and then to be understood, habit number five. So I, yeah. I think you're right that if we can just step back, take a breath, ask a question, tell me more, continue to take those those deep breaths, and stay curious and look for the opportunities where we can help and serve
1: other people. Yeah. Well, that's great. And let me, I'll, I'll just plug on one of our tools is the emotional audit. So in those 10 seconds, what am I thinking? Like you said, how could they have such a crazy Question. What am I feeling? I'm agitated, irritated. What do I want? You know, I really want to understand. I want to be my best. How am I getting in my way? I'm jumping to a conclusion. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. What do I need to do differently? Take a breath and ask them questions. So, those, the emotional audit, those five questions, you can do in 10, in ten seconds. And well,
2: I think so, also, I mean... Going going back to, to, remember, on, I think it was Dragnet, just the facts, ma'am, way back then, Yeah, again. yeah. But being able to say, what are the facts here? Facts are facts. They're indisputable. They're measurable, countable, repeatable. Versus what the stories are. And if we can look for the facts, we can
1: sometimes better control ourselves. Ah, uh, beautiful. Well, so, uh, Dr. Ed Nottingham, uh, if you want to get his PDF or... Uh, Contact them. EJ Nottingham, with is two Ts, nottingham at com. And if you're interested in uh, getting our survey, go to the Leadership Development News and take the EB survey so we can have your research. And I'll sign off for now. And thank you for tuning in and to tune up your performance with Leadership Development News.